The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the podcast. Our team of producers reached out repeatedly to Gene and Liberty Kasem to participate in this story. A lawyer for Gene told us this isn't a good time for Gene to speak. Liberty did not respond to our requests. Over the years, Gene has denied any allegations of abuse. They keep reading that pamphlet. Oh, honey, Okay. I wouldn't mention it. I'm not going to mention it, Dad. She'd never understand that. If you understand what I, why I gave you the pamphlet, it's in there that the person that, that you're reading... That's Carrie talking to her dad, Casey, in 2008. She had given him a pamphlet about emotional abuse, which he hid from his wife, Jean. Okay. Okay, Dad, I love you. I love you, too. Somebody being terrified to talk to their own daughter. Somebody being scared that their abuser is going to hear them. That's a red flag of elder abuse. Carrie and others close to Casey say the abuse went on for years, but no systems were in place to protect him. My dad once told us kids, I'm battered. I'm battered. He said it just like that. Carrie had finally had enough. I'm Martin Cove, and this is Bitter Blood, Kasem versus Kasem, Episode 7, The Attack Plot. Police couldn't help. Adult Protective Services couldn't help. Uh, I'm in court, and the judge is saying she can't help <laughs> because there's no jurisdiction. There's no, there's no uh, bill. There's no law allowing her to just rule on visitation. You had to go through an entire fight over guardianship or an entire fight over power of attorney. I'm thinking... How is anybody going to be able to fight this in court and see their mom or dad before they die? It's going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. So Carrie decides to create a law. When I started fighting for my dad, and it became very public, I started receiving emails, letters, social media comments and messages saying, this is happening to our family but I don't have a famous last name. I don't have any money to get a lawyer. Help me. And I thought, wow, I'm not just going to do this for my dad and my family, but I'm going to help all these other people because they have nothing. They have no hope. Carrie creates the visitation bill. The Case from Care's visitation bill is quite simple. It just allows a judge to rule on visitation without going into an entire trial fight over who should be power of attorney, who should be guardian. I co-created it with my lawyer at the time and my stepdad, who's a lobbyist, and Representative Mike Gatto. Carrie launches a nonprofit called Kasem Cares. She runs it with Kathleen Wright Braun, who also has elder abuse in her family. My father was a self-made man who helped children learn how to read. He contributed to a lot of charities. He became very wealthy from what he did. Because of this, he hired some new advisors that surrounded him. He thought he could trust. 
And they ended up, when he came down with Lewy body dementia, taking over his complete business and cheating him out of all of his money and my inheritance, along with my three siblings, including my disabled brother. Carrie and Kathy travel the country advocating for the bill, but they encounter red tape at every turn. The one thing I didn't expect was all the games that the politicians play. It's very upsetting. Certain states, the bill would pass within three to six months. Certain states, three to four years. And especially California, there were a lot of games played here. They would say, well, we're going to hold this bill if you don't pass this bill. Literally. It was unbelievable. Eventually, they make traction, and the bill starts passing in multiple states, including Arkansas. We were testifying in Arkansas for the bill, and we had tons of people getting ready to come up to the mic. I told my story, and then they stopped the committee hearing. and They said, we don't need to hear anymore. The great state of Arkansas and I would appreciate a due pass and a good vote. And I'm like looking at Representative Beck, who is carrying the bill for us, and he's looking back and said, we just, we're going to stop this here. This bill is going through. I mean, we turned to each other and we were hugging each other and it was like everybody cheered and you don't hear that. Like, you don't hear that. In Casey's home state of Michigan, the bill passes the Senate floor, but now it needs House approval. Carrie attends the hearing. I was with my case and cares group and we walk in to the building where the committee hearing is. I'll never forget this. I walked in with my team and there were people on either side of the building, like when you're walking down the hallway and they all stood up and started clapping. And it just stopped me and I just started crying. It was like all these people that needed help and they were waiting for me to walk through that door. And I don't think there's ever been a more profound, prouder moment than that. I, it was like something in a movie. It was amazing. <laughs> it was really amazing. And that was my dad's hometown. <laughs> to keep up momentum, Kasem Cares hosts an annual conference to provide resources and spread awareness about elder abuse. I met several people at the conference, people who had been through this, survivors, we call them, private investigators, lawyers, people in this field in care, in, in elderly care. But one person that really stands out was Patrice Gilgan. Carrie and Patrice meet in 2015. Patrice is a private investigator specializing in elder abuse crimes. Her own father was abused at a nursing facility. I went up to Carrie and I introduced myself and I was telling her what a great job and what she was doing. We just started talking and she said, I'll help you. I want to help you. I know, you know, people are going through this. I went through this with my own dad. A year later, Carrie and Patrice come together again, this time under bizarre circumstances. I was approached by Jean Kasem's private investigator, Hank who called me up and it was kind of an interview 
to speak with him. And if I pass the interview, Gene Kasem wanted to speak with me regarding my services as a licensed investigator. She called and I was speaking to her for, I don't know, a hundred and something minutes. And just the feeling I got was, it was very, uh, how can I say this? Just eerie, frightening, disturbing of the things that she was saying, what she wanted essentially for me to do. I've never had a phone call like that in my whole career as a licensed investigator. The topic of conversation was she believed that Carrie Kasem was not the biological daughter of her father, her her husband. And I was sitting there going, is this woman nuts? To myself, I'm like, what? She looks just like her dad. There's another woman on the line with Gene and Patrice. I'm not going to give her a real name, so let's just call her Karen. And Karen and Gene Kasem were talking among themselves, and I was listening. So what they wanted to do essentially was to lure Carrie to a charity event. And Karen, and along with Gene, thought of ideas of, oh, we can wear a watch and you can kind of stumble and the watch could go through her hair and we could get a lump of her hair or pull a lump of her hair out and get a DNA testing to see if, in fact, Carrie Kasem was the biological daughter of the father. I'm just like, what? Patrice is stunned and confused. She knows from the press that there's bad blood between Jean and Casey's oldest children, but has no idea what this other woman has against Carrie. It turns out Carrie and Karen had connected three years earlier in 2013. This woman found me on Facebook, and she had a famous dad, and she said that she had gone through the same thing. They start talking, but things turn strange and disturbing quickly. She started getting mad at me for not returning calls. Now, at this point, I'm on a syndicated radio show five days a week. She would call me during when I was on the show almost every day and then actually get mad when I didn't call her back, no matter how many times I explained I'm on the air. Well, you can text, can't you? Like, really weird. And I said, okay, there's something wrong here. Then she started writing me about how I was literally rotting and that my 25-year-old boyfriend was not going to love me anymore and that I'm a, I'm a Hollywood fame whore. I mean, it was like, she started saying this to me. She doesn't even know me. I'm like, okay. I mean, it was so bad. So bad that Karen introduces another elder abuse bill. Carrie says it was designed to derail her own bill. So I'm like... I didn't know you. I don't know you. Uh, you're a Facebook stalker, and you are now, like, literally making my life miserable. Get on board or get off. And if you want to take the bill after it's done and go get it passed in other states, great. And we need all the help we can get. But, you know, she uh, hindered it. Carrie says Karen is so determined to crush Carrie's bill, she starts spreading false rumors about her to various lawmakers, including some in Utah. She told him that I was for profit, 
that I was making money off of this, that I was throwing Hollywood parties, drinking, drugging. I was a porn star, she told him. I mean, it was unbelievable what she told this man. She had convinced this guy that I was this horrible person, and he then talked to Senator Osmond and got my bill dropped. I mean, if that's not defamation, I don't know what is. Because of ego and because of anger and because of some delusion, you know, to tell senators not to pick up a bill that could help so many people, that is, you can't get, you know people are dying and they can't see their mom or dad and you're going to stop my bill from going through. She opposed several times. She had people come and oppose our bill. Who, who does that? In spite of Karen's efforts, Kerry's bill passes in 12 states. Nine other states adopt a version of the bill. Which brings us back to Karen and Jean's plan to attack Carrie. Well, the plan, what Jean wanted me to do is to, to see if I could get any and all of Carrie Kaysen's financial information. Whatever I knew about her, whatever I knew about her nonprofit, because she just wanted anything and anything I could possibly investigate on her background of due diligence to get something to basically smear her. I believe that Jean Kasem was obsessed with Carrie Kasem. It's not a normal phone call. That's the stepmother. You know, the things that they were talking about, the logical mind just can't comprehend. I was thinking, okay, after this phone call, I have to, what am I going to do with this? I have to report it to someone. That was my plan of action. It was just listening, taking notes, and I took very good notes. And trying to, after that, contact someone. I, I was first going to go to the police and report this because it was a potential crime. Patrice ends up calling Logan Clark, Carrie's private investigator, who Patrice has known for years. This is what Jean Kasem is saying to me. I know she's not his real daughter. And I was crazy. That's why I'm calling you. Have you ever seen a picture of her and her dad? Well, when I was at her uh, charity event, um, her uncle was there, and they all looked like one, you know, the same family. I think your um, client could be possibly in danger. Ah, wow. Logan tells Patrice to call Carrie. So when I'm on the phone with Patrice, she's telling me everything this woman and my stepmother are planning to do to me. And I have to say, I wasn't shocked. I didn't think they'd go through with it, but she definitely convinced me that they were planning on going through with it. She was frightened. She was very, very scared, rightfully so, you know? And she was trying to seek some kind of solace in the conversation, like, do you think they meant it? Or I'm like, yes. You, you need to get protection. You're in trouble here. These two women, I mean, you know, you, you hear about different crimes and irresistible impulse and crimes of passion where people just lose their mind over people. That It was kind of like that. It was a mixture of obsession, jealousy, envy, stalking. Karen, during the course of the conversation along with Jean Kasem, Karen had stated, I'll never forget this. It was chilling. It was chilling. I want to bury her. That's what she said. I want to bury her. 
Patrice helps Carrie make the connection between the attack plot and a strange text message Carrie received around the same time. This text came in November 11th, uh, 2015, almost at 10 o'clock. It was 9.43 p.m. It says, are you available? Hi, Carrie, you available to work a charity event for City of Hope Children's Wing to raise money for kids with terminal illnesses as a celebrity ring girl. And I said, hi, uh, this doesn't say uh, who you are. My phone does not have your number saved in it. Can you tell me who you are? You don't call somebody up at 9, 10 at night and say, hey, we don't have a host for this massive event we're throwing tomorrow. Yeah, so I knew, first of all, it was it was her writing. It was my harasser's writing. And I knew it was her. But I was going to check this event out. So what did I do? Woke up in the morning, called, because it was a real event, called the event coordinator. And she said, no, we would never do that. And we would never call anybody. Nobody from my team reached out to anybody they tried to get me to an event. And then knowing the entire backstory, I, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Then Carrie uncovers more information about Karen's relationship with her stepmother. So my Facebook stalker finds my stepmother on Facebook, friends her, actually gets her to trust her, and they bond over the hatred of me and the fact that both of them want me dead. And she wrote all these letters that I saw that, you know, there's, there, if there's one person on earth that hates Carrie more than I do, it's Jean, and we're a team. And we're the, she's like, she, she actually said, she's like the mom, like the mom I never had, or like the stepmom, she's this, she's that, and what a wonderful woman. And like I was just, I mean, really, lady? Realizing she has a full-blown stalker, Carrie wants to file a restraining order. Her lawyer, Jesse Kaplan, tells her it's not that easy to get one. The standard of proof required is fairly high. The standard is is by clear and convincing evidence. So here I am. It's been four years of harassment. It took me a year to get Jesse Kaplan because he's like, you don't have enough evidence. I'm like, not enough evidence? I mean, what about this? What about that person? What about the fact that she said this? What about here's something she wrote that she wants to, you know, shoot me. Here's where she wants to beat me up. She told this person, if I come to Tennessee, she's going to kill me. I mean, it was like, I'm like, what do you mean you don't have enough? You have to have substantial evidence. So when I lined up 11 different people, four of them who she had personally harassed, I, I said, okay, do we have enough? Finally, in August 2016, Carrie gets a hearing. The civil trial lasts an unprecedented six days. We had probably one of the longest, longest in terms of number of days, in terms of number of hours, civil harassment restraining order proceedings probably in the history of L.A. County. And a lot of it was taking a, a, a side trip to crazy town, frankly. During Karen's testimony, attorney Jesse Kaplan is confident Carrie will prevail. She admitted to saying those things. Now, she claimed that she was only joking. Right after this testimony was given by the respondent, I said, you just got your restraining order. Have you ever seen Goodfellas? And there's a scene where Joe Pesci says, why am I so funny? Tell me why I'm so funny. It was sort of repetitive of explain how this is funny. 
how, how ripping someone's hair out is funny, how, how beating someone's ass is funny, how threatening to kill them is funny, why that's a joke. Carrie is granted a three-year restraining order. I mean, four years of harassment, four years of death threats, and my name being dragged through the mud, and bills being not picked up by senators and representatives because of defamation. But Patrice says it didn't go far enough. Jean Kasem should have been an additional person named on that restraining order. Even though Carrie says there's proof Jean was involved in the plot to harm her, Jean escapes civil litigation. I, I didn't see that evidence, but that, that doesn't mean what, what she did what was right or that what she did was, was not deplorable. To be on this phone call with, with someone else and, and sort of allow them to, to even suggest doing these things it does seem, seem very, very shocking. In the years that have passed, Carrie's heard from other elder abuse advocates who say Karen has also harassed them. She made my life miserable for four years. But to her credit, she has left me alone after tens of thousands of dollars in attorney's fees that I had to pay. And Jesse said it was a six-day trial, but those six days were over six weeks. Six weeks. Carrie survives this ordeal, but there are more legal battles and more bizarre drama just around the corner. Hi, my name is Liberty Kasem. I'm at my parents' house, Jean and Casey Kasem. They took my father and they murdered him for a life insurance policy plan. I'm, 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 I'm terrified of my life.